Well, good morning and welcome to First Church. My name is Andrew, and in case you have forgotten over the last couple of weeks, I am the lead pastor here. I'm so grateful uh, to uh, spend these, uh, these next few weeks uh, with you uh, moving into this Christmas uh, season. Uh, if you are new with us, as Pastor Brandon said, thank you for joining us uh, for Life Together at Kanky First Church. We pray God's blessings upon your life, and we're so excited uh, to have you with us today. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, and as you are turning there, uh, we want to take a moment just to let you know where we're going in the coming weeks. Uh, Next week is our Advent series, Uh, so we're very excited about that, moving all the way up to Christmas Eve and then into the Christmas season. And for our Advent series over these next four weeks, we're going to be preaching a sermon called Messy Christmas. All right, messy Christmas, not Merry Christmas, not a typo, right, not a misprint, but messy Christmas. And in a world today that tells us that the holidays are full of joy and full of cheer and full of laughter and all sorts of merriness, uh, we're going to get really honest and we're going to take a look at some of the messiness in our lives. And we're going to look at the way in which Jesus broke into the mess of his existence 2,000 years ago. And we're going to look at the way that he continues, even now, 2,000 years later, to break into our messes. So don't miss it. It's going to be a wonderful series uh, as we join in together. Luke chapter 17, how many of you today have something to be grateful for? You have something to be, one thing, you have one thing to be grateful for. Hands up, and we're very, very good, very good. So I would venture to say, and this is just me, and I'm not a betting man, but if I did take a bet... I would venture to say that my reason for gratitude is a lot better than your reason for gratitude, all right? Because my reason for gratitude, if you are new with us this morning, this is my reason for gratitude right here. This is her, Sophia Caris Twible, or if you're a Spanish speaker, Sophia Caris uh, Twible, and uh, seven pounds, five ounces, and this is her introduction uh, picture to the world. And last week, some people got kind of upset with me that you didn't get like a full slideshow presentation, and so I'm going to make up for it this week. So here's some more pictures. There she is. Isn't that sweet? A little bit of tummy time. Uh, there she is. This is her uh, Sunday best. She's not here today, but maybe in the coming weeks, and she will be wearing this outfit. Here she is with Lucas, uh, her uh, big uh, brother, and uh, he's very sweet. He loves her for this first week. We'll see how it goes. Uh, By the way, here are the pictures of Lucas and Sophia uh, side by side as babies, and um, I think uh, they're siblings. Uh, I don't know about you guys, uh, but literally, Sophia is like the girl version of Lucas, so uh, we're excited about that. And then here she is, last picture, with her other sibling, uh, our dog, uh, our dog Fofa. And uh, the dog is not as excited as Lucas, uh, but she's, uh, but she's pretty, uh, pretty excited. So uh, we are definitely blessed. I had to uh, come to a realization. I used to think that uh, when babies were born, I used to think that they all looked like aliens. Um, I did, and it's true. And the reason that I did think that is because they actually do all look like aliens, right? I mean, it's very true. Like they're screaming, they come out screaming and they're hairless uh, and they're covered in slime. It's just like aliens, right? They're just really kind of uh, crazy. And so as a pastor, I had to learn to think up some 
creative compliments uh, for people's babies because I'm a pastor and I can't lie. And so I had to think up creative compliments. And so sometimes I would say things like, oh, you know what? Isn't she, isn't she so soft? She's so, just a oh, soft little baby, right? Or sometimes I'd say, uh, 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 look at that. His face is so pink. He is a pink, that's a pink little baby, right? Or my really, my, one of my favorites is, look at those fingers. He has 10 fingers. He has 10 awesome, I mean, and they all move. Really, that's really good. And if I can't think of anything else, then I always go with this. He is such a good breather. I mean, that guy is, he is breathing in and, I mean, he's got this breathing thing down, man. He is so good at that. But I came to this realization that after I had my own two children, that all babies don't look like aliens. Uh, It's just that your babies look like aliens, (laughs) all right? Because my babies are the perfect specimens of humanity, and I know your tricks, right? If you come up and you're like, she's such a good breather, all right? I know what you're doing, all right? You can't get that over on me. We're super blessed. We are so grateful. God has been so good to our uh, family, and we thank him for it. We also thank God for you. Um, you guys have been an incredible blessing to us uh, over these last few weeks. In fact, over this entire pregnancy, you guys have blessed us in so many ways with your words, with your cards, with your letters, with your gifts, with your meals. Everything you guys have done have truly shown us that the church is being the church. You are a true family of God to us. And so we're deeply grateful and we give God thanks for his blessings uh, through you. So Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, I think Bud uh, must have had a little uh, uh, telepathic uh, work today because he has actually uh, quoted the, uh, the passage that we're going to look at today. Uh, Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. In this, uh, in this passage, what we find is that there are 10 guys, uh, 10 lepers, uh, that would rival me and Simone in terms of gratitude, right? Uh, These guys are really sick. Uh, They're having a hard time, and they're about to have an encounter with the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? So Luke chapter 17, I want you to see what happens beginning in verse 11. Here's the word of God. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had, say it with me, 10 men who had leprosy met him and they stood where they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice Jesus master have pity on us have pity on us what's happening here these 10 men have an infection called leprosy and leprosy that language isn't as common for us today it was really a skin infection Uh, But it wasn't just any skin infection, right? It's not like uh, I've got dry skin, got to rub some lotion on it, right? It's not uh, not I got a mosquito bite. It's not I got too close to poison ivy. Leprosy was a horribly painful infection of the skin. And, And what it would do is it would start small, and then it would spread on out across the entire body. So it'd start in your abdomen usually and then spread out to your arms and to your legs and to your face. And in some cases, it was a horrible thing because it covered your entire body with leprosy. Sores, boils, very painful and very difficult. So making matters worse, these guys, because it was so infectious, they actually had to stand outside of the city, right? 
They, they couldn't infect anybody else, so they had to stand outside of the city. And if anyone came up to them who was clean, they would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, to keep them from coming near. These guys, isolated, alone, left for dead, and they come up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, have pity on us. So look what Jesus does in verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, how many of them? One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And he was a Samaritan. One man, right? One man, this incredible miracle, this incredible work of God in their life. They have begged for a miracle. They've been left to die, isolated and alone. And when they got their prayers answered, how many of them came back but one man? One man. And there's not too many instances in Scripture in which we see Jesus dumbfounded at somebody's lack of belief or we dumbfounded at their lack of gratitude But this is one of those instances, and I want you to see what he says in verse 17. Jesus asked, we're not, say it with me, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said, rise and go, your faith has made you well. We're not all ten cleansed, Jesus said. Where are the other nine? Did it not work? Did it not take effect? Was it not worthwhile? Wasn't this exactly what you wanted? And yet only one came back to give thanks to God. Now, I can't begin to imagine what must have been going through these lepers' minds. I have no idea. I have no idea why these other nine men didn't come back. But what I do know is I know my own heart. And I know at times things that affect me are things that create a spirit of ingratitude in me. And my guess is some of these same things were effect in these nine men's life. Why aren't we grateful? Number one, we're, gra- we're not grateful because we say, I deserve it. I deserve it. I-, I-, I deserve to be blessed. I deserve for good things. I, I earned that wage. I earned that raise. I earned that vacation, right? I- I'm a good man. I'm a good Christian. And so I deserve to have God give me good blessings. I deserve a good home. I deserve a healthy family. I deserve good kids. I deserve a nice house. I deserve all those things because I'm a good man, and I do my part, and God does his. And so we simply say, I deserve it. Uh, Secondly, and this one's even worse, but I've noticed this sometimes in myself, I say something like this, I deserve better. I deserve better. I I deserve better than I've got. I deserve better than what I've had to go through. I deserve better in my life, and so I'm ungrateful. We deserve better. I heard a story recently about a couple of old guys who were just caught up after a long time, and one guy came to his friend, and his friend looked horribly forlorn, and his friend said, hey, man, what's wrong? What's happening? Why, are you, why do you look so down? And the man said, let me tell you. He said, last uh, three weeks ago, he said, my uncle died, and he left me $40,000 in his will. And the man said, 
that's incredible. That's, that's awesome. He said, no, no, wait, because next week, this cousin that I didn't even know died, and she left me $85,000 free and clear in her will. And the guy's like, well, come on, man. I mean, if you can't get happy about that, what can't you get happy about? And he said, wait, it gets even better because then I had a great aunt pass away and she left me almost a quarter of a million dollars in her will. And the guy said, okay, like, what's the deal? Why aren't you excited? Why aren't you happy? Why aren't you overjoyed? Because the man said this, he said, look, he said, it's almost Friday and no one in my family has died yet right? No one in my family has died and left me anything. Those are the type of things that we think. We say, I deserve better. I deserve more. I deserve greater. I deserve something else. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to get really honest uh, for just a minute between you and God. And I'm going to ask you to evaluate in your heart where this type of attitude might crop up. Uh, For me, I've seen it in two big areas, two primary areas, and we're going to ask God to deal with these things in our life. Uh, Number one is what I call emotional ingratitude. Emotional ingratitude. We look at people and we say, well, they should do better. They should do more. I deserve better. And we look at all the wrong that we do instead of all the right that they do. So it goes like this. Maybe you're married and you say, well, I wish my husband had a better job. Or I wish my husband made a little more money. Or I wish my husband was a little more emotionally available or was a little better conversationalist. I just wish I had more. Or maybe it's the other way around, right? And you say, well, I I, I wish my wife was a little more present. Or I wish my wife was a little better cook. Or I wish my wife took a little better care of the kids. Or I wish my wife maybe wasn't around quite as much, right? And we think a little bit more and we think we're ungrateful. Maybe some of you are single and you say, well, I I I wish I was married. I wish I had a boyfriend, or I wish I had a girlfriend, or I wish I had friends that knew me, or I wish I had better friends and we're ungrateful for what we have. Maybe you're a student living at home, and you say, well, I I wish my parents weren't so overwhelming. I I wish they understood me better. I wish they got me better. I wish I had a better allowance, or I wish I could uh, stay out later, or whatever the case may be. I just wish that they were a little bit more. And what we end up doing is looking instead at the things that we don't have rather than all the things that we do have. And we're emotionally ungrateful. And second, and this is the really big one for me, it's what I call material ingratitude. Material ingratitude. Rather than focusing on what I have, I focus on what I don't have. But we think to ourselves, well, if I just had a better income level, my life would be great. If I could just get that raise, my life would be perfect, right? Or we think to ourselves, if I just had the latest things, if I just had the latest gadget, if I just had the latest technology, I've got the iPhone 7, but now they've come out with the iPhone 8, right? And I've got to have the iPhone, wait, but wait a second, now they've come out with the iPhone X or 10. I'm not sure which, but it's like they forgot 9, and I don't understand what's happening. I'm so far behind, but all I know is the iPhone 7 is four months out of date. That was so four months ago, and I wish I had the last and the greatest and the best thing, right? Or we say, I wish I had a better car. 
I, I wish I had a better car. I wish I had all these things. I wish I had a sunroof. I wish I had, had, had heated seats. I wish I had a TV in, in every seat. That way I could ignore the people around me, right? I could act like my family doesn't even exist, right? Just a TV in every seat, every person's own individualized uh, entertainment session. Uh, my wife and I have had these conversations a lot, and, and we've argued a little bit because we're pastors and we can't argue much. So just argued a little bit. And uh, our new car, 2015 uh, Nissan Versa, it, it is a beautiful car. It is a specimen to behold. Uh, but we only got the uh, S Plus package, and apparently the S Plus uh, doesn't include um, uh, power windows and, and power locks, uh, as some of you know. And so my wife is really upset about that because she's actually got to take the key and she's actually got to put it in to unlock the doors and then reach. And then she's actually got to crank the window to, to roll it down. But I told her the other day, I said, we saved $1,500 by you cranking down that window, Right? We had a baby, we could afford to have a baby, right? Because you are cranking down that window, right? And, and so the other day I was, I, was, I was with a guy and I told my wife over and over, I said, I said, Simone, just wait, right? Crank windows, they're coming back in style, all right? Just, just wait, they're coming back, they're coming back. And the other day I was driving with a guy and he looked down and he was like, what is that thing? And I was like, that's how you order fast food at the drive-thru window. Right? Just crank, and he crank, and he started cranking it. Started cranking. He's like, this is so awesome, right? This is revolutionary. I've got to get me one of those, right? This crank window. Uh, maybe for you, you think to yourself, I need a better house. If I just had a bigger house, if I just had a better house, if I just had more bedrooms, then I would be fine, right? Uh, I was actually writing this message about gratefulness the other day uh, in my house, and in my house, I used to have a nice little home office up in the fourth floor, uh, up, up in the, uh, the fourth bedroom on the second floor. But when uh, Sophia came along, uh, guess what? Uh, my uh, my uh, office got relegated to the basement, uh, unfinished basement. I'm actually positioned right now between the water heater and the furnace, right? That's kind of my kind of wedge. I'm actually sitting right on top of the roughed-in plumbing uh, for our toilet, uh, a future toilet, right? So it's really very exciting. And so I'm down there, and I'm thinking to myself, I am so frustrated that I'm down here, right? I, 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 what was I thinking only getting a four-bedroom house? I am suffering for Jesus in a four-bedroom house, right? It was horrible. I was like, I've got a bedroom for me and for Sophia and for Lucas, and I've got a guest bedroom, and now I've got no more bedrooms in my house for an office. And, and then I had this moment of terror, like, what happens if we have another kid? What happens next? And then, like, then we have no office, and then we have no guest bedroom, and then what's going to happen? And then I realized we're not having any more kids, right? <laughs> we're not having any more kids. And I, uh, I was in the delivery room, right? And I and can testify that we are having no more children. And I know that there's some of you that are praying for a third uh, twible child. And so uh, I asked the doctor to go ahead and, and double knot those things, if you know what I mean. Like double knot and burn and freeze and tie and whatever, whatever it takes, no more twible children, right? No more twible children, and God's probably uh, going to bless me for saying that, right? No more twible children. But I was still so upset, and I said to God, I said, I need a bigger house. And God looked at me and he said, he didn't speak audibly, but he looked at me and kind of slapped me upside the head. He said, you're preaching a message on gratitude. 
You're preaching a message on gratitude. He said, and how many people in the world today would die to have what you have? How many people in the world today would die to have half of what you have, or a quarter of what you have, or a tenth of what you have, to have running water, a roof over your head, healthy family, food to eat? How many people? And it struck me. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm so incredibly blessed. So I'm going to ask us, the Holy Spirit, to just begin to search our hearts. Um, and I don't know if there's some here today that you would say, you know, what, that's me. I, I've, I've got some ingratitude. Maybe the Holy Spirit's already showing that to you. Um, and you're going to ask him to begin to clean that out of your heart and clean that out of your life. And, and what we're going to do now is, as we finish our time, what we're going to do is we're going to begin to look at how we can replace a spirit of ingratitude with a grateful heart. H- how we can take this ungrateful spirit, the spirit that says, I deserve it, or I deserve more, or I deserve better, better job, better house, better family, better kids, whatever the case may be, and instead replace it with a cultivated, grateful heart. And and I think there's really two big keys uh, to this, uh, two secrets to a grateful life. The first, if you're taking notes, is this. We're going to count our blessings. We're going to count our blessings. Everybody say that with me. Count our blessings. We're going to count our blessings. So uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, verse 16 through 18 says this. Paul says this. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, and what's he say? He says, give thanks in, oh, it's not up there, praise God, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, right? This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks always. In in my house, and this is more for me than it is for anybody else, sometimes I, I, I practice uh, what's called the one negative equals 10 blessings rule. One negative equals 10 blessings. And so sometimes i just not in a great mood, right? I know you find that hard to believe, right? I'm always happy, right? But you see me 30 minutes and then there's like 500 other hours. So anyway, so very good. So I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm not happy. The kids aren't cooperating or my wife and I aren't getting along, whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, I, I, I think to myself, okay, I've got to think up 10 blessings. So uh, the other day, and this is a small thing, but this is just my thing. Uh, the other day, I actually dropped the shampoo bottle on my toe in the bathtub. All right. A- anybody ever done that? Anybody ever there? Very good. You could just be assured it's going to be a bad day, right? When the shampoo bottle is on the toe, just a horrible thing. And so I said to myself, I got I to gotta think up these one negative equals 10 blessings. So maybe it goes like this for you. You say, well, I, I, my house is a mess. My house is a mess. Everything's a disaster. No one else helps me out. Well, then you owe me 10 blessings. God, I thank you that I have a house that's a mess. God, I thank you that I have things to make a mess with. God, thank you that I have kids that can make my house a mess, right? God, thank you that I have a husband, right, who can mess up my house, right, and so on and so forth. Uh, Maybe you say, well, I hate my job. I hate my job. I'm so frustrated. I I had too long hours, not enough money, too hard to work. Uh, Ten blessings. 
God, thank you that I have a job. God, thank you that I can make money. God, thank you that I can provide for my family. God, thank you that I can put food on the table, that I can buy Christmas presents for my children, and so on and so forth. And I'm telling you this really works. I've done it. I've tried it. It really does work. And the reason is that by the time you get to your 10th blessing, your spirit's changed. Your heart is different. Your attitude is completely different. Your spirit is different. And even if it's not different, you're so tired of thinking up blessings that you don't want to have any more negative thoughts, right? You, know, you don't want to go through that again, so you just start having, stop having negative thoughts. And if some of you out there, there may be one person out there, you may be saying, Pastor Andrew, that is the dumbest idea that I've ever heard. Um, guess what? Um, you owe me 10 blessings, all right? You owe me 10 blessings. Come see me after the service. It really does work. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. And then number two is this, change your perspective change your perspective. Number one, we're going to count our blessings. Say it with me. And number two, we're going to change your perspective. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible is Lamentations chapter three. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar to realize that Lamentations is not a fun book, right? Not a happy book, not, not cheerful, not joyful, very sad, very sorrowful, written by the weeping uh, prophet. And yet, I want you to see here how, how Jeremiah changes his perspective, how he changes his view on life in the midst of what's going on around him. Look with me, verse 19. He says, I remember my, help me out, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. He says, I'm down, I'm discouraged, I'm frustrated, this is tough, this is hard, but look how he changes his perspective. Next verse. Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have, say it with me, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion, say it, never fail, they are new Every morning, great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. The, uh, the author says this. He says, yes, my soul is down. Yes, my spirit is downcast. Yes, I'm frustrated. Yes, things aren't going right. Yes, I wish things were better. Yet, because of the Lord's great love, I can make it one more day. Yet because of the Lord's great faithfulness, I can make it one more day. Yet because of his mercies, I can change my perspective. I can change my perspective because God is faithful and he has never left me nor forsaken me. And here's the key. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the key. The key to gratitude. The key to gratitude is not fixing your problems. The key to gratitude is changing your vision. The key to gratitude is not fixing your problems. You can go ahead and fix them. That's fine. That's well. You all know, as well as I do, that you just have more problems to replace them, right? Problems come. Problems come. It's going to be difficult. The key to, uh, to, to gratitude is not fixing your problems. The key to gratitude is changing your vision, it's changing your perspective, not focusing on what's wrong, but rather on what's right. Not focusing on what you don't have, but rather on what you do have. Not focusing on things that you think that you deserve, but rather focusing on all the things that you have that you never possibly could have deserved if your entire life 
dependent on it. I'll tell you, the best, uh, one of the best examples I've heard of this is actually right here in our own congregation. Uh, many of you may know uh, Matt and Kelly Williams. Uh, you may not know Matt and Kelly's story. Kelly was actually run over by a bus 14 years ago. By a bus, not a small bus, a nine-ton bus. And uh, uh, Kelly, a lot of injuries, a uh, lot of hardships, a lot of difficulties, sores, skin grafts, multiple surgeries. And if there was anyone in life that could have been frustrated, that could have been downcast, that could have just given up and given in, that was Kelly. But instead, I want you to hear what she says. We're going to watch a video in just a moment. I want you to hear what she says as she allowed God to take what was awful in her life and turn it for her blessing, to take what was down and turn it into good, to take what was a horrible experience and change her perspective to experience God's blessing in her life. Take a look with me. bus struck her she prayed for God to help her and then to help me get through this who would think of something like that God gives you choices when you go through circumstances if you choose to let the Lord use it to make you better then he gets all the glory it's amazing uh, how it God is using Kelly. I knew God had a reason because like my mom had always said, if it's your time to go, you're going to go. I knew God left me here for a reason and I did not want to waste my second chance to live on being bitter, but taking it, knowing God was going to help me every step, literally every step of the way to get me through this. And he has. Well, and we've been able to uh, wit witness to people that we never would have had contact with otherwise. There for a while, the people on the third floor at Riverside, they knew who I was, and they would tell other people, she's the one that got ran over by a bus. Well, I've been working um, in the Sam's um, department, and just to see her grow has really made me feel like God is definitely using me. And my prayer has always been that if one soul is saved through my story, or if one Christian that was maybe not as close to God hears my story and gets back right relationship with God, it'll be worth all the surgeries I've gone through, all the pain I've gone through, to know that a soul in heaven is rejoicing because of my story. today. Could you give her a round of applause? That's a change in perspective. It's a change in perspective. And I'm wondering if there's some of us here today that the Holy Spirit has brought something to your mind, some ungratefulness, some ingratitude in your life. And he's asking you, change your perspective. Change your perspective. Instead of focusing on what's wrong, Focus on what's right. Instead of focusing on all the bad things in life, focus instead on the good things in life and allow the blessings that I've given you to overwhelm you with gratefulness. 
I'll tell you, as we close, a, a quick example of this. Uh, this past week, we were in the hospital with our baby, uh, waiting to take Sophia home. And I'm a little bit OCD, as you've probably realized. And so I'm very much focused and trying to move on to the next thing in life. So we had that baby and that was over. So now, now on to the next thing. And so uh, I was there and I was kind of stressing. Uh, I was stressing about work that I wasn't getting done. I was stressing about hospital bills adding up. I was stressing about all sorts of things uh, in my life, sleepless nights. Um, and I'm kind of in and out of consciousness a lot like I've been most of the morning today. Um, and, uh, and so uh, all of a sudden I hear from my uh, wife's bed in the corner, she says, Andrew, she said, check on Sophia. I, I don't hear her breathing. And so I got up and just kind of wandered over. And when I looked down in the, in the, in the crib, uh, there was my daughter and uh, struggling for breath. And she was turning red, and, and she was turning purple and all sorts of different shades that she wasn't supposed to be turning. And so I didn't know what to do, and so I kind of picked her up and, and just started kind of patting her gently, uh, and then harder and harder because I, I didn't know what to do, but then there was no, uh, no breath. So I actually then took her out of the room a couple seconds later, and I kind of ran down the hall with her, and I realized I probably shouldn't be running with a newborn. Right? You're either a kidnapper, you're going to get tased or tackled or something. So I kind of did a slow, kind of did a slow walk down the hall with 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 uh, with my child, and I went up to the nurses' station. I said, "You got to help me. My, my my child's not breathing. My child's my child can't breathe." And Right when I said that, I don't know what it was, I don't know if it was the pounding, if it was the prayers, if it was something, but right when I said that, she was able to kind of gasp and choke, and kind of with one final push, she was able to push out whatever it was that was in her mouth or in her lungs that was causing that problem. And at that moment for me, uh, everything changed. Everything changed. I'm confident that this is probably a normal thing that most all newborns go through, right? But this was my newborn. This is what I was going through. And at that moment, everything changed in my life. Same problems, same sleepless nights, same bills adding up, same work that wasn't getting done. But all of a sudden, it didn't matter. It didn't matter because I had a daughter that could breathe again. I had a wife who made it through a major surgery. I had a son who was joyful and happy and energetic. I had a family who loved me. I had a church that had taken care of me. Same problems, same issues, same difficulties, but different perspective. And for me, everything changed. And I wonder today if the Holy Spirit might be speaking to your heart. He's saying, that's what I want from you. That's what I want from you. There was 10 lepers. Every single one of them got healed. Only one came back to give thanks to God. The other said, I deserve it. I deserve better. I deserve more. I deserve something else. They didn't get what they wanted. So they didn't come back and they praised Jesus. But there's one who came back and he was a Samaritan. And he thanked God with every aspect of his life. And the question this morning is, will you be the one? Will you be that one to give thanks to God for his incredible blessings? Jesus, we're here tonight, or today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We sense you in this place, and we just want to respond to the voice of your Holy Spirit in our lives. 
as we continue to pray, there are <clears throat> some of us here today that the Holy Spirit's speaking to our hearts. And He's revealed to you some aspect of your life of ingratitude, of ungratefulness. And He's shown you, He said, you know, you've got this spirit that you deserve more that you deserve better, that you deserve a better home or a better car or a better family or a better job, whatever the case might be, you think that you deserve better, but I've already given you so much more than you could ever deserve. And today you want to confess to Jesus, you want to confess it, you want to get it out in the open and say, Jesus, I don't want it anymore. Make me grateful, count my blessings, change my perspective. I want to do it for you. If that's you today, you'd say, I've had an ungrateful heart. Not a big thing, not a big problem, but I've just got an ungrateful heart, and I want God to cleanse it. Would you lift up your hand right now? An ungrateful heart, I want God to cleanse it. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Jesus, thank you. Thanks for speaking to our hearts. Thanks for changing us. We can't do this thing on our own. We need your help. We need the power of your spirit. We need you to come and cleanse us and make us new and change our perspective. Help us to focus only on you. As we continue in a spirit of prayer, heads bowed and eyes closed. There are others of you here today that the Holy Spirit has brought you for such a time as this. He's brought you to this moment. He's arranged all the circumstances of your day and of your week and of your month to get you right where you are right now for this moment. He wants to tell you about some things that you have to be grateful for. See, what Scripture tells us is that every single one of us regardless of how good or how bad or otherwise, every single one of us is worthy of death. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And even worse, Scripture says that our righteousness, it's like filthy rags. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. We can't do anything without Him. We are lost in our sins. But today the Holy Spirit's coming up alongside of you and He's saying the good news is you don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it because today I paid the price. Today, I want to redeem you. Today, I want to welcome you back into the family. And there's some of you here today, you've gone through life and you've said, I deserve better, I deserve more. And yet you've actually honestly took a good look at your heart today and you've said, I deserve death. I deserve separation from God. I don't deserve anything else but eternity away from him. But today that can change. Today, the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, and he's saying, if today you will receive my word, if today you will hear my voice, if today you will respond to me, I will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. So far will I cast your transgressions from you. He says, I won't count it against you. I see as pure. I see as clean. I see as holy. And today, the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, he's saying, today's your day. Today is your day. You have every reason to be grateful. You have every reason to give him thanks. You have every reason to pour out praise to him because today is the day of your salvation. And if that's your prayer today, you say, Jesus, make me new. Jesus, make me new. I want you. I want life. I want to be changed. I want a new life. I want a new heart. If that's your prayer today, Jesus, make me new. Would you lift your hand high right now? Jesus, make me new. Thanks be to God. Praise Jesus over here. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Who else? Thank you, guys, back here. Who else? Jesus, make me new. <laughs> Praise God. Who else? Make me new. I want more. I want more. Cleanse me. Set me free. Do what only you can do. 
Today at First Church, no one prays alone. Everyone prays together as we welcome new souls into the kingdom. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Jesus, you died so I could be forgiven. Jesus, you rose so I could be set free. Make me new. Make me clean. Out of gratitude, I give my life to you. And I'm never turning back from this day forward. Because in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First Church, can you give thanks to God for new life entering into God's kingdom on this Thanksgiving Sunday?